call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 79 of Call of Friend of the podcast, where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, my co-host, Donna Katirnan, watch Top Gun Maverick. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out justwatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call of Friend of Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations. Peace. Excellent. Live as fuck. We're back. We're not face to face, although we did see each other. Yeah, on a couple of occasions, ago. and it was really nice. We should go to the cinema together more often. We can. That's doable. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, for sure. The last episode, the audio quality was a bit dodgy, so I decided to get far away. Yeah. Was solve it, it. Was it the proximity that was the issue with the audio? Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, folks. Let's not let's not worry ourselves about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, the arty among us don't need to understand that kind of bullshit. You fuck uh, all that noise. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, what the fuck have you been watching? Not so much, actually. This is what happens, I think. When I come to Barcelona, I've got other stuff to do. <laughs> ah, so <you laughs> and my watching kind of goes out the window a little uh, bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a sad state of affairs when you have things to do. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's for, fucking For annoying. me, it is. <laughs> yeah, what about just being able to watch like 40 films a week? That yeah, would be yeah. much yeah. healthier. Well, this is it. I mean, Instead I have to go shopping for people. for pants on an evening this week. You know what I mean? I'll probably go out with my wife and child in a buggy on a nice evening and buy some pants. And God, quite frankly, I, you know, I have movies that Vangelis did the score to that I would have never watched other were otherwise to be catching up on. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Fucking hell! <laughs> Don't <laughs> Don't remind me I just remind that. you That's of that got, Yeah, Jesus yeah. I just got Christ. a hold That's of my another, coffee last night. <laughs> it's another hill to climb this week. I'm like you. I actually, I, I, I do enjoy socializing, but I always dread it when, uh, when it's on the, when it's on, on the, the old agenda. You know what I mean? I, always, I'm, always, I'm never <laughs> looking forward to it if I have to do it, which. I don't know as I always like this, but I've, I think I've been like this for a couple of years now at least. And just, you know, like try to think of excuses to get out of it in the run up to it. And uh, then I always enjoy myself. Of course, the cinema is the great compromise in that. I don't because, think, you know, uh, I imagine. You've also had a kid. Yeah, I have had a kid. In that period. To TBF. And I do, and like, um, I don't, like, I don't mind hanging out with my kid at all. Um, yeah, your kid's cool. She doesn't like me. She's very suspicious. That's another reason if why. If you I stay were there away. for like ten more minutes, she, she she'd be right around you. She'd be yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd yeah. be doing like Top Gun style high fives, where you do the high five up top, and then you swing your arm you down, smack and him catch on the bum. On the yeah, yeah, side. exactly. I'm Absolutely. not doing bum smacking. I'm just hitting the the hand on the way down. At the moment, though, man, she's a walking horror movie. Like, just the tension is killing me because she's got enough like mobility and she can walk around that she can get a, a bit of a speed going, but at the same time. Just zero center of gravity. So any falling that gets done, gets done with all the thrust of the speed she's going. Do you know what I mean? So it's just, she's at ultimate danger to herself levels. Like I bought, just bought a bunch of L-shaped tape, cushioned L-shaped tape to put on as many corners around my apartment as I can find. Because I can't relax. It's not a terrace. you think it's ultimate? You think it's not going to get worse? No, no, I think basically... When does it peak? Two basic, or I think it's probably in the next six months before she learns to walk without the waddle. 
because it is like right. you know my instincts keep proven correct on this like i'll be just there watching her just clo- like like almost just being like a total like what looks like just a total helicopter parent they call it but i mean once i'm able to let her do her own thing on her own and not have to worry about it man i'll be so happy but like the fact of the matter is i've caught her like two or three times literally physically caught her uh, just just before she's about to smack her head on something hard and it's like and she has a mark on her nose from the guarderia today oh. yeah d- yeah the next 6 months are going to be tough hope she doesn't uh, scar herself for life well something that is also equally tough and gut-wrenching and hard on the emotions and full of violence is season 6 of Better Call Saul the first half uh, so I've heard of her it's great how much of Better Call Saul have you watched I am up Full disclosure, though, I am planning on, like, sort of breaking my rules if I have to to catch up to this for the second half of the this, the final season. Yeah, just, you might want to. Yeah, just to be on the level with it. So I think I am 1.5 seasons behind you. The last season, the last thing that I remember... Spoilers for 1.5 seasons ago in Bear Call Saul. Pardon? Spoilers for 1.5 seasons uh, ago in Bear Call Saul. Well, no, I like I won't do anything too uh, too dirty on it. Uh, just right at the end of it, he officially had his name changed to Saul Goodman. I don't even remember that. Well, basically, I think it might be even further than you think. Oh, maybe. No, no, I, I, I think I'm just. Uh, yeah, I, it's the kind of thing I'd have to have a a bit of a recap on. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, whatever. Well, that's I, the point. I mean, I do remember first, it being excellent. The first three seasons or so are pretty lightweight, all in all. Because they were just, I don't know if they, how strong the connection was originally between this and Breaking Bad. I don't know if it was always supposed to just lead Mike into it. Mike was in it from it season one, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was. He was. They gave him a bit of backstory, a bit more, and sort of introduced what his deal is and how he ended up down there in New Mexico. But it just, it feels a bit more wacky shenanigans in the first three seasons or so. And then... Again, very minor. I'm not going to give any real spoilers about Bear Call Saul here, but they start to introduce some of the Breaking Bad characters, Gus and Frain. then the connections get stronger. Okay, fine. We're gonna we're gonna go spoilers, I guess. Oh right. But yeah, well, they they start to introduce. Come on, man! Some if of people the- haven't started watching now, <laughs> in fairness. Okay, so Breaking Bad is about a guy who starts cooking meth. Yeah. So like, really, I think what Bear Call Saul is all about, obviously. Um, the lead performance from Bob Odenkirk is great, as always, and Rhea Seahorn playing Kim. Everyone, everyone's fantastic. Everyone's great all the time. I feel like the writers coming off the back of Breaking Bad, in a way, had kind of have figured it out. You know, they've, the, the experience that they had on the first show yeah. has led them to a stronger understanding, and that's good and bad. I think, like... Individual episodes are a lot maybe more interesting or or sometimes better written than some of the episodes of Breaking Bad. The biggest thing holding it back from time to time is that you already know there's a there's certain scenes that lack tension because you know that certain characters are gonna be okay. Yeah. There is still some tension to them, but then, you know, you're kinda like, Well, I know how I know what happens to this guy eventually and it's not gonna happen for a while. But I think what they've really done quite well is they introduced like about five or six new characters Mm. and really the rest of the show has been figuring out where these people go and how that interacts with what's going to be breaking bad so in this final season they've split into two halves they've aired the first seven there's six more which are going to be in july and august 
But like they've really started ratcheting that up and there's some crazy ass shit going on. And Brian Cranston and um, Aaron Paul have confirmed they're appearing in the last season as well, right? Oh, wow. Well, they haven't yet. So I'd expect to see them in the last part. Did you, what, did you not know that? That, that they, that, that I assumed, I mean, they have yeah, to, yeah. realistically, they have to because, to be fair. yeah, why not? It's not like Tom Skerritt not appearing in Top Gun Maverick. This is it, some. Is there any, um, is there anybody else you'd like to see expanded upon in the Breaking Bad verse? I wasn't yeah, mad about uh, El Badger. Camino. Badger. Yeah, of course. <laughs> He's great. He's the best. You didn't like that? You didn't like, uh, the old Jesse show? Um, I, he was like a gunslinger. Remember that bit when he pulled the gun out? And he yeah. Went like, I thought there was just a kind of a little bit of an invention of tension there that I didn't buy. I didn't buy the the show's reason for being at all. And I thought that Jesse had a terrific ending in Breaking Bad. I thought just that last shot of him bursting out with the he sort of cry laugh. Crying. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a phenomenal ending. I guess you're right, but I didn't... I, I mean, I enjoyed catching up with the character, even though his head had expanded massively in well, the uh, intervening years through, I don't know, gluttony, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah, yeah. No, that, that was an issue. I remember the, 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 the <laughs> aging didn't look in between the, same. the two. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't been too bad in between uh, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad so far mm. in terms of people. I haven't really... Maybe if I go back and watch Breaking Bad, I'd be like, oh, holy hell. This guy's a lot younger. I'm always yearning for one of those, for a film or a TV show. I mean, El Camino was a film that followed up a TV show. But, you know, I'm yearning for that one that gets just, I don't know. I would like the an hour long thing of just Jesse figuring out a new life and just getting to getting peace. I would have rathered that more than the invented tension that was going well, on. As far as I'm aware, this might be a slight spoiler for Breaking Bad. I don't know. I'm sorry for Better Call Saul. I don't know if this is confirmed, but I think three of the final episodes of the final six are going to be set after Breaking Bad. Oh, the Cinnabon years. Yeah, yeah. As far as I'm aware, that's based on set reports and stuff like that. So oh, there's going to be... right. I So like... I think they're going to delve into the after effects of like really tying everything up. Okay, because you know what, I am, I am literally like I, I I'm done my all the TV shows as I was watching right now. I'm just gonna fast track, put that on the top of the list because my memory of any season of Breaking Bad I've watched is you tend to fucking Hoover them up is is what you do. It's just very you, very have compelling. Have you even watching. seen Lalo yet? In where you are in the show, Lalo is Tony Dalton from Hawkeye. Tony Dalton from Hawkeye. Possible? Yeah, you would know. You would know him. Nah, nah, nah. You would know him. You would know him. So how many seasons ago is that? The, uh, at least a couple. Yeah. Okay, so I'm two point five seasons behind. So that at le- least I think. Wait, I can cover that ground. I'm sure. I mean, if you see the like, uh, like there's only a few uh, films uh, that I'll talk about, but I, you know, I've seen plenty in the last few weeks. I've also started watching an abandoned something. Oh, what was that? Are you going to talk about that now? Yeah, I will. Fuck it, because I've brought I've brought it up. Um, All right, well, this is well. Let me just say that is the only thing <laughs> that I've watched and to talk about is six, seven episodes of of Better Call Saul. Okay, that's it. I also watched Top Gun, the original, but we'll get around to that when we'll we get talk to that. About yeah, yeah, Maverick. Yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll rush through the 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 briefer ones, I suppose. I I should emphasize for people, you know, I mean, I 
I do have a job and a family. This is covering about three weeks worth, I think, isn't it? Uh, something like it's that. a while. Yeah, I yeah, still while guess I didn't we... watch anything else. Uh, so I started many moons ago and just abandoned it outright very recently because I just said, fuck it. Um, Raised by Wolves, the TV show from the oh, guy yeah. who made Prisoners. Um, it just sucks. It's it's. I want so bad to like it. Guy made prisoners. What he mean? wrote. He wrote prisoners. Oh, he wrote the screenplay. Yeah, right. yeah. I forget his name. Um, now Ridley Scott directed the pilot of this one, though. Um, which is an unusual occurrence. To be fair, it's got a good cast and a decent look, but it's just you don't care about anybody. And I've heard Are that there any a, wolves in it. No. So what it is is disappointing. So it's set in the future. Now, hear this for a sum up and tell me this doesn't intrigue you even slightly. It's about androids, right? It's about androids shooting off to a planet and trying to raise the last uh, human children. And it has a very similar plot line to, you know, um, when Cartman goes forward in time to get a Nintendo Wii in South Park? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, the, uh, arg- the wars are over. How to pronounce it? Like science or the science? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. atheists versus sun worshippers. Isn't that, isn't that the one with like otters and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, otters and uh, the whole and one, and one segment Would of the you society. Use your belly as a table. Uh, <laughs> that's right. One one segment of the war worships um, Richard Dawkins and Mrs. Garrison. Yeah. Anyway, that you're much better off watching that. Fuck it. I don't even want to talk more about it because it kind of sucked. Uh, I also watched, which I'm not going to talk about, uh, Casino Royale. The others, Nightmare Alley and Star Wars A New Hope, um, all fucking great, to be honest. Just all amazing. Uh, I would like to put in a tiny couple of cents just for Casino Royale. That running chase near the start of it might be the greatest action sequence in a Bond film. I mean, it's better than most action sequences in anything ever, so it's got to be up there. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I watched it on a massive TV with good sound system in my in-law's house. And it was fucking wow. Anyway. Yeah, Casino Royale. <laughs> Check it out, folks. It's a little sleeper hit. It's, uh, it's coming Come out on, soon. man. I like to talk Wait, about I, things. Everything is on Amazon, right? I think Amazon uh, yeah, yeah, all got the bonds are on Amazon. all the bonds. That kind of, that's kind of what drew me in, um, considering we uh, poo-pooed on um, No Time to Die so much. I was like, all right, let's give the whole... You're going to rewatch No Time to Die? Let's give the whole arc situation a bit of, a bit of time, if I can. Um, yeah. Anyway, fuck it. So one, uh, so I want to. I'll try and work in comp- in uh, comparisons uh, to help us out and get through it quicker. But one that's quite actual, actually relevant is I remember bringing it up on the podcast before because I started it months ago. Didn't quite get around to finishing it, even though the subject matter is interesting. Is just a bit goofy and silly. Uh, the Disney Plus show, Dope Sick, about the. Um, Oxycontin. Yeah, like Michael Stuhlbarg doing yeah. his evil man, right? Yeah, he's super evil in it. Uh, very funny how evil he is. The, yeah, about the oxy, the opioid crisis with, um, but what's his name is just phenomenal in it. Uh, Keaton, Michael Keaton is, wow, he blows it away. He's absolutely brilliant in this show. The one I'd pop it up against is uh, David Simon's new one, We Own This City. And the reason mm. I would put them together is Dope sick on a level with what it's trying to do, like docudrama kind of thing about, around a real world institutional failure, right? What they, f- the writers of it really fail to do is in- inject enough humanity into the bad guys, really. Or enough like regular flaws into the people who we're supposed to root for. This is the kind of thing that 
Simon is really great for it. It reminded me of uh, when I watched um, that show set in Australia not so long ago, and basically the boys are trying the tourist. to... The tourists. They're trying to do a Coen Brothers impression, and then you realize how good the Coen Brothers are. The thing is about Dopesick, it is quite interesting, because a lot of the stuff, even though a lot of the characters are amalgamations of real-life stories, a lot of the stuff did go on. Keaton's descent into addiction as a as a doctor prescribing the stuff is like particularly interesting and once again he's just a phenomenal actor but the show totally lets itself down all the time when you just get <laughs> Michael Stuhlberg's CEO coming up with just another scheme that and I I'm not exaggerating this he'll say something like this in a boardroom room yes we're not allowed uh, we're not allowed to sell it is not addictive anymore but we're allowed give it to children. And everyone's like, oh, oh my God. Oh, you're a genius. Yes, we'll do that. We'll double down. Like there's just, it's funny how ridiculously evil the corporations are in this. It's, it, it really, yeah, got me giggling more than once. And then Michael Keaton is like really moving you. And it's, a, it's, it's an odd sort of contrast. But then next to We Own This City, which could be taken very well, I think, as a type of coda to The Wire, because it's all about, you know, there's shades of the institutions in it, but really it's about institutionalized police corruption. It's not about racism or anything like that. It's about uh, cops who, through the system, evolve to be thieves. And at the center of it, you've got John Bernthal playing um, a real-life cop called Wayne Jenkins around the gun task force in Baltimore, who basically would get Kate Blanchett to um, stop people, anybody that looks suspicious. Um, you know, pulled like if they gave them any bit of guff, you know, they'd rough them up, rob them, rob like thousands and thousands of dollars. And from the very first episode, you know, you know, they got caught and they'd flip back and forth in time mm. to show you how the case is made up. Now, massively to the show's advantage, as I've mentioned, in contrast to Dopesick, is uh, how just fucking good David Simon is, is at this sort of thing. But I'll tell you what, I, I say it. In I say it about everything I see him in, like John Bernthal is an incredible, incredible actor, and he is like a detestable character in this. And I'm not going to say you root him or you root for him, but you do kind of like him. He's so charismatic, which evidently is one of the things that the real life Wayne Jenkins was. But he's just a, an unrepentant criminal. It's interesting, and I suppose because they didn't quite explore police corruption. In the wire, they put a magnifying glass onto you know the stats games and stuff like that. But this is like, or you've got like mini shots of Carver stealing stacks of uh, dollars. But let's say those moments where uh, Carve and what's his face, uh, uh, Herc, Carve and Herc, you know, pocket a few uh, uh, like thousands of dollars. It's all about that sort of stuff and what a sort yeah, of a yeah. an addiction it it becomes basically for the boys. Very very interesting. I would really really highly rec- highly recommend this show. And you don't need to watch uh, Dopesick in order to realize that it's just uh, something that accentuated how good it was for me. Nice. I've uh, I mean obviously I'm going to watch that eventually with all the other David Simon mm. fare that I've missed out on. I I know you've seen things like the plot against America. Yes, I did. Which That's I very good. Still never caught up with, and I never finished. Show me a hero. You never. Oh, I love that, but I'll say too many things. My favorite. Um, too many things, David Simon. My favorite thing that he has done besides the wire is, uh, the and du- also the juice. I never is the juice. the juice. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> the, and I'm I'm holding. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the juice so much 
I'm holding on to series three for a while. I haven't watched it yet. I think The Deuce is a phenomenal show. Really, what really could be better than a show with James Franco than a show with two James Francos? This That's is heaven. it. Well, the, well, this is the you know the question that David Simon answered essentially with that one. How many James Francos should you have? And there's breasts, hmm. pimps. Uh, maybe I will revisit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's decent now. Method Man as a pimp. Mm. Who'd who'd have thought? Good for him. Uh, he seems like such a a nice character. Usually. Awesome young man. Yes, yes, indeed. I'd like to. Um, Pop a couple more on the table uh, before we get going with the, with the Top Guns. I had never watched A Nightmare on Elm Street before. Have you seen it? Yeah, but not in a, a million years. It's one of those things I saw as a kid. Johnny Depp's in it, right? That's right. Johnny, Depp's, it, Johnny Depp is in it. Um, does he die at the end? Spoilers for a film from 1984. Yes, he does die in the end. Does he get? Is he the one who gets... Is it in the first one where there's like a bed that explodes with blood everywhere? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Nice. Yeah, yeah, he explodes up in a fountain of blood. Um, yes. Because that's, that's how Freddy, how Freddy does it. Um, being honest, you'd think, okay, there's elements of this that have aged badly, namely the music is, uh, and some of the shot choices, I suppose, were a little bit more of the time. But generally speaking, I mean, it might not make you jump. It won't make you jump. But it is a... Uh, Fairly nightmarish in its imagery, and uh, yeah, I thought this is re- this is really a good one. I suppose as the Elm Street films went on, you know, it became clearer and clearer that they are actually were in fact designed for kids, the kids who would be sneaking to see them. But I still think this would scare the bejesus out of a child. I mean, it's quite horrifying. Um, I was reading a little bit about it afterwards and how he became more of a comedy character. So for anybody who doesn't know, actually, yeah, I there, remember that. Um, the concept is this. Uh, child molester who all the parents of this town uh, murdered together because he got off with an easy sentence comes back and haunts the kids in their dreams um, so you don't go to sleep that's the tagline of the movie and it's oft repeated in it there's one or two scenes in it that like st- are still impressive a girl rolling around on the ceiling getting cut open after she's just had sex with her boyfriend is particularly memorable and yeah yeah the Johnny Depp dead of course generally speaking I like I was just wowed by just in the middle of the slasher boom, they came up with this. What a concept and great execution. I mean, fair play. I do think this is, you know, as it says on the tin, the stuff of nightmares. I'm glad I got around to watch it. The only thing is it's, it's so kind of naff that I wouldn't be too inclined to go near it again. But I'll tell you what, the second one, a film that gets routinely poo-pooed on is really interesting. Now, I don't know. Have you seen Freddy 2? Freddy's Revenge? A million years ago. You recommended a podcast episode of Mike Flanagan on Eli Roth's thing, and he was talking a lot about Dream Warriors, the third one. The third one, yeah, how yeah. much he likes it. Do you know what? I mean, full disclosure, it's from listening to that podcast and everybody fucking bullying on about Dream Warriors that has said, okay, I'll watch the first two and then I'll get to Dream Warriors. Um, I, f- I thought Freddy's Revenge was really, really fucking interesting. So basically, I mean, and I've looked into it a little bit since, this is the gay one. There's it's it's a it's it's a famous gay movie. I didn't know that before I was watching it. Um, Just like Top Gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. It in a similar way, but like so. There's one of the victims is uh, the high school f- uh, baseball coach who's a big gay into S and M guy, and he gets <laughs> spanked to death by Freddie in the shower. Damn, with a, a towel. To with yeah, a yeah, towel. Yeah. With the towel. And then this other guy... That's some serious 
Wow, that's some serious uh, flicking, some wrist work there to manage that. It's impressive. And get this, get this, right? So this kid is like at a pool party having having a smoochies with his girlfriend, and then he gets scared because Freddy's tongue comes out his mouth and goes to smooch his girlfriend. So he runs away from his party and over to his mate's house, and they they uh, they both get into bed together in their undies, and then um, Freddy emerges um, emerges through the guy's stomach in effects that. Some could argue haven't dated well. I think they've dated fantastically. It's all prosthetics. The guy's stomach splits open and Freddy emerges from it and basically pins his friend to the door and, and, and kills him. It's amazing. So, yeah, for all the poo-poo in it get, I would watch Freddy's Revenge again before I watched this, the, the first one. It is just an interesting, crazy movie. I had a great time. It's funny you, like, explaining who Freddy Krueger is. I'm thinking, like... Yeah, I wonder what a younger generation even knows or thinks about that. For someone of my age, those films were massive. Like, that was always the thing that people were talking about when we were kids of going like, yeah, we need to watch the Freddy Krueger film because mm. that's the scariest. It was that and Child's Play were huge. Uh, yeah. Those type of video, na- almost like a v- like video nasty things that were going to, that's all really scare you. Yeah, I am. Um, like, I remember, even though I... I, I didn't see any. I do remember, you know, children talking about it. It was a phenomenon. Uh, because they were hard as fuck because they'd watch them. Yeah, yeah. That, or my parents mm. just my parents just wouldn't let me watch stuff like that, to be fair. I do remember I saw Chucky uh, when I was uh, uh, very young, and um, that did quite scare me. And I watched it a couple of years ago, and there's like one or two scenes in it that are a bit nasty, but it's mostly hilarious. Not only is it mostly hilarious, it totally is in on the joke. Like, it's having right, so much yeah, fun, it's that like movie. A comedy, right? Well, there, oh, Voiced there, by Brad Dourif. That's right, yeah. There's this hilarious bit where a kind of a, a guy who, who Chucky is threatening threatens to kind of, like, call... Like, it's a doc... Yes, that's right. So, the story is this guy kind of dies in a car crash or something along those lines and voodoos himself into a doll. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was read that. That's the yeah. That's the plot of the first one. And um, he go the he, the doll, aka the serial killer, goes along to kill his former psychiatrist. And the doctor recognizes that the, the Brad Dourif is in the doll. And then he goes, uh, "That's it. I'm calling the police." And it's just, it's so funny. <laughs> what are you, you going to tell the police? <laughs> Oh, I think when I was growing up, like all these things were spoofed on The Simpsons. So even if I didn't watch the films, I knew exactly what happened because they were in like Treehouse of Horror episodes. Yeah, yeah. Groundskeeper Willie was. Um... Yeah, he was Freddy Krueger. Oh wait, I forgot to mention one thing, which I'll just say before we start. I I, I watched a full series of uh, Love on the Spectrum. Which one is it? Like, where is it based? Is this the Australian, Australian one? Yes. Right, okay. Have you seen any of that? No, just I've heard from Matt and Shane's secret podcasts, like I guess you have. It's both heartwarming and hilarious. Like, it's so funny. But it is quite like a British version as well. And an American one. Or maybe an American one. Yeah, I guess they've sold it around the world. But it is, I can't emphasize this enough. It'll it'll make you laugh a lot. But it'll also warm the cockles of your heart. I don't want to see myself on it. (laughs) Maybe I'm there. Maybe I'm already on it. Oi. Anyway. I watched one or two other things. Hey, wait, you also watched uh, Star Wars. Yeah, wait, we, you watched a film where a group of pilots had to do a trench run 
to drop a bomb on a target. That's right. Destroy. Yeah, yeah. And also Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I got horny for Star Wars because I because I'm enjoying the Obi Wan show so much. But I'll pass my final judgment on that when it's done. Good. Um, so you are you probably let me get this straight. You watched um the original Top Gun after watching Top Gun Maverick for the first time. I watched the original Top Gun after watching Top Gun Maverick twice. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So how did you get on with it? I thought it was really fun when I watched it about a week ago. Uh, I liked it. I yeah. thought it was fun as well. Uh, this is another one. I mean, uh, this is going back to childhood memories of... Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I've seen the original Night Top Gun on Elm many Street times. And shit like that. Like, I, yeah, I've watched... It was one of those things that I had... I probably had it on a VHS recorded off of TV. Yeah, it's a film that I definitely enjoyed when I was a kid. I remembered things like, God, this must have been in the early 90s even, so fucking ages after the film came out, but like kids doing like the, like you've lost that love and feeling, like having a big group of people all singing the song. Really? When we were like, yeah, when we were like 10 years old. <laughs> uh, with, with me, and like thinking like, like we were we were cool as hell. Me, me, it would have been more like uh, me and my friend, uh, Roy Power, shout out, uh, six or seven going around the place with our bikes, or I don't know, possibly older, but let's say six and seven, so it's not as fucking embarrassing, saying things like, uh, I feel the need, the need for speed. That's fine. You should be doing that now. Uh, yep. I got that feeling when I came out of, uh, of Top Gun Maverick. I put the score on and I was like, I'm going to walk down the road and fool Kenny Logan's mode. mode. Yeah, I was going to get my Kenny log out. Hell yeah. I was in the danger zone, 100%. I think, well, so the original Top Gun, I mean, it's from 1986. There's elements of it which have obviously aged really badly, like the action in the final scene. What the fuck is going on against those MiGs? Yeah, yeah, like, what yeah. Is even ha- what is even happening compared to modern filmmaking? And it must it's just have hard been... to even know what the fuck is they're doing. And it mu- it must have been such a big deal at the time as well. I mean, it's all it's very you know, uh, Rocky Four, uh, living in America kind of patriotism. You know, they're so cool. All the boys are, but at the same time, like when I was watching it, I was there. There's so many nostalgia fests that come out. You know, late sequels. You could even like let's say loop in a something. legacy sequel. Loop in something like the the latest Star Wars sequels, for example. Yeah. Like, okay, despite the fact that I'm sure they had big expectations that Top Gun Maverick would make a lot of money, it has a reason to be. Unlike, let's say, something like The Force Awakens, which or that trilogy, which, let's face it, there was no reason to continue that story. And I'm looking forward to new Star Wars movies, I am, but just move away from that epoch, do something different, you know? Nah, you and, need a Skywalker in there. Fuck that. Forever. Um, but at the same time, if you're watching the original Top Gun, you're like, oh, this is fun banter with the pilots and stuff. But imagine how they could shoot this now, because I've seen a few Mission Impossible movies and I know what kind of stuff they're capable of, you know? And that's exactly what Top Gun Maverick is. is a, as a matter of fact, it's practically the same film, just with the potential of modern filmmaking inserted. Yeah, modern filmmaking, modern standards... There's no scene where Tom Cruise follows a lady into the women's bathroom. Oh, yeah. On a a bet where I'd have sex with her. Uh, As a matter of fact, one big difference from the original and Maverick is uh, Tom Tom, uh, Cruise in 1984 had kind of sexual currency. 
Um, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, there's, there's, we're not doing any of that. This sec, the sex scene in the original Top Gun, him and Kelly McGillis, that must have inspired the MacGruber sex scene because it is just there's that there's like that kind of ass shot. I think of I think there's one of Cruz. There's a lot of licking. It's very there is a fair heavy. bit of licking. Yes, yes, yes. It, I found that quite funny to watch, but yeah, in comparison, the the sex scene, thank for the lack of sex scene in Top, Top Gun Maverick, was very welcome. Yes, indeed. Um, None of that. The other you. stuff from the original, I thought what was quite funny is that Tom Cruise, in my opinion, is not good in the first Top Gun. Yeah, I would say that he he um he's I just not he's as grown experienced into himself. Uh, uh, yeah. acting like he, uh, he didn't have the chops. I don't think he'd been broken down by Scientology yet at that point. Yeah, maybe like they, they audited. I whatever Scientology gives people, whatever it gives performers, that confidence of like breaking them down and building them back up. Mm. He had that hadn't happened to him yet, and I think he like it shows. Because I actually do think actor. for all the guff he gets, as like I love him as an action star, but I also I also think he's a very good actor. I think he's now is solid, but back in the original Top Gun, like he's short. Yeah, they're not doing any camera tricks. There's nothing to make him appear taller than he is. Like we've become accustomed to over the last twenty years or so. Like he's a short man. This was back when his teeth were off center. Remember that? No, I did not. His top two front teeth back in that period were slightly off center. Like it's really, it's really off putting when you notice it. I think he's had them done at some point and fixed, but it's very, very strange. It's very noticeable. Hmm. You know, these are the kind of things that most people are looking at. Like you know, the dog fighting. I'm looking at Tom Cruise. Well, there's not very much dog team. fighting going on in the first one. There's not. Well, no, there reason. is, but it's just like. Compared to the, like, okay, let's, what I'm enjoying, what I enjoyed more than anything in in the first one is it's just got like a, a sort of a high school movie vibe to it. It's fun. The banter between the boys. a little bit of that over into the second film, but like, Anthony Edwards was incredibly likable playing Goose. Yes. Which I guess is the point, because if you're going to kill someone, you want to kill the, the guy you know, the one that everyone loves. What I thought was quite interesting to me, having not seen it for a million years, was I'd forgotten how much of the the idea behind the film is like Maverick is a cocky young guy. He's a bit of a knob. Mm. And it's all about him experiencing the hardship and tragedy of life and then kind of he's humbled. And then 30-something years later in the sequel, that kind of carries on and it's this humbled version. Yeah, th- that's right. I mean, there's proper nice development in the character, um, and like I like I watched it with you. You must have noticed me laughing every single time John Ham said anything. Yeah, John <laughs> Ham is the the like angry teacher, or, like the dean of the college. Oh, he's just s- such a movie dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> he's great at that role. I mean, he, he's, he's, so he's got a great face for it. Like, I mean. The dialogue is interchangeable because it's all tone and mood. You know, he could literally be said, it's, "If it was up to me, Maverick, I'd have uh, given your parents cancer and we thrown you down a well." You <laughs> a million years ago. I think this is a rhetorical. I think he's being rhetorical. Uh, yeah, but like uh, in the original, I think it's Tom, uh, so. Tom Skerritt is Viper. Yes, and then Michael Ironside is Jester, who's like his right hand man. Mm-hmm. They're the two that go up in the air at Top Gun. And, uh, well, of course, Val Kilmer is excellent in it. 
he's uh, yeah and that's another thing like if, as a child i thought Iceman was like a baddie yeah i was like valka totally and now re-watching i'm just like he's just a guy i mean he's a bit of a job's worth mm. like, he's kind of but he's just like he follows the rules he's cocky but like within certain limits that maverick isn't yeah, yeah, he's not a bad guy at all. No, no, he's actually an. <laughs> he's I, he's a perfect totally soldier, normal. you could say. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah, just yeah. he's like a good military man. He's a guy who's doing his job, basically. Which is so weird because I feel like yeah, yeah. The way I viewed that as a kid, I was like, "Who the fuck does this guy think he is?" Totally, Witcher. Like, I mean, it's so weird. It, like, it, like he's not the John John Ham of that movie at no. all. Nor do I think he was intended to be. I just remembered it as that because he was up against Tom Cruise in a way. But that's so weird. I, that's partially age, but I guess also like how time has affected the way people interact and stuff. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, because nobody likes a, a young 80s whippersnapper anymore. Like people's, no. new, people's new opinions of uh, Ferris Bueller and his day Mitching are totally justified, I'd say. Ferris Bueller's a bit of a knob. Well, what about when we were getting to Top Gun Maverick now, but like mm. Glenn Powell's character, Hangman, yeah. is basically just Maverick. <laughs> and throughout yeah. the majority of the film, you're kind of going, God, this guy's unbearable. What a dickhead. Yeah, yeah. He gives good dickhead as well, I have to say. Yeah, he's like, great, actually. I didn't know much about him at all. And going back to Richard Linklater, he was in, what's it called? Everybody Everybody Wants Some. Wants Some, yeah. yeah. And I saw some interviews with him. He seems like a funny guy. Well, I do think it's very funny that you just know, you just know he's going to bring up uh, Rooster's father uh, like as yeah. a negative. You're, you're just waiting for that like a time bomb. Yeah, he's doing everything. He's pushing all the buttons. Oh, I love predictable Legend. moves in, in movies. I love bullies. I love uh, <laughs> li- like I love silly bars where... You know, how could you make somebody buy a drink for everyone in the bar for taking their <laughs> how mobile phone How is that enforceable? Like, how do you, when you, when do you start counting? Like, I would, do people have to come up and get the drink right now? Or do they go, like, is there some sort of point in time? Is there a cutoff point? Like, and then he goes away and he comes back with, like, a fucking like what a a cash. huge billfold. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, to be like, I gotta be honest. That bar in real life, it's creepy as hell. All the fucking, all the fighter pilots of just bully normal people. Like, that's a bully tactic. They go up to somebody like me or you who, you know, I mean, don't like the company we of people. accidentally walk into a like, fighter pilot bar. Yeah. I sit at the bar and put on my massive headphones and put on a podcast. <laughs> and just for taking out my fucking phone, they smash my headphones on the floor and make me buy everyone drinks. That's how that works out. Worse than that, or they come up to you and do like, you never, oh, na, 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 na. They like karaoke in your face. And then I got to fuck one of them. Or else some guy sits down at the piano and they start doing great balls of fire. After I've just paid for slow ride. <laughs> yeah, Actually, <laughs> imagine that. You're like, well, I've just put on this Mogwai album. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw Mogwai at the weekend. They were really good. <laughs> My aunt <laughs> likes Mogwai. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would love to go to that bar and just be like the complete odd man out of the place. <laughs> They're like, why won't this guy go away? Why won't he leave? He's yeah, yeah. And what, like harshing our buzz. Yeah, yeah. He's refusing to pay the, <laughs> the, the for drinks for everybody. <laughs> He's laid out ten phones on the bar. 
Oi. And then they just dump Tom, poor, they dump poor Mav, Pete, Pete Mitchell, out in his ass. By the way, did you notice that um, Jennifer Connelly's character is referred to in the first film but doesn't feature? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah, which I think... Uh, She's the Admiral's uh, daughter or some shit. Have you seen any pictures of um, Kelly McGillis recently? No, is she not looking good enough to be a love interest? <laughs> I mean, it's, it is what it is. Like, she's 70, maybe? How old is Kelly McGillis? Let's find out. And to be fair... She's just like a normal old lady that hasn't... I mean, she was already a couple years older than Cruz. She's 64. She is... Do they still need her and basically. feed her? Yeah, I assume so, yeah. They're feeding her, are they? <laughs> they certainly are by the pictures I've seen. <laughs> but she's uh, not she doesn't look unlike Joe Brand. Who's Joe Brand? The uh the English female comedian. Okay. Yeah, Joe with a, with no I'm just going to look her up. Kelly McGillis. Yeah, go to go to Kelly McGillis and go to Google image search and on the second row of images you'll get Joe Brand. There's a there's a photo from uh, I can see of, of from Facebook is from uh, it says yeah, I, I think you. it's safe to say Kelly McGillis will not be the love interest in the new Top Gun movie. Yeah, poor old her, huh? And Jennifer, well, no, I mean she just looks like she's lived her life. She's not. Yeah, she's and to be prob- fair, like as- she's still got thetans inside of her. That's the problem. That's it. Yeah, and as we can, like, but to be fair, as we see, um, thetans from uh, Tom Cruise's body with his uh, shirt off. I mean. You know what I mean? The age is going somewhere, that's what I'll say. He's got thetans that are trying to burst out of his chest at that point. Yeah, he's, he's muscly, but there is there's a weird element of chicken skin. It's not weird at all. He's a 59-year-old man. He turned 60 next month, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Jennifer Connelly, actually, she made her... She's 50. She made her acting debut the same year Top Gun came out, but as a child in Once Upon a Time in America. That's right. She... <laughs> but did she... Didn't <laughs> she strip down in that? She gets film. her bum out. Yeah, she that, gets that her. Sounds, that sounds bad. But no, she listen, does. She gets I'm her not, bum out. Yeah, it's true. These are just facts, folks. It was a different time. Indeed, it was. So we catch up with Mav. Have you got anything to say about cast? Not hugely. I th- I was impressed with Glenn Powell. Uh, I saw that the one person that disappointed me that wasn't in it more is Manny Jacinto from uh, The Good Place. He plays Jason in that. In this film, he was like, I think, one of the sort of almost unnamed fighter pilots. Because there's like 12 people in the classroom. Mm. And I think we only ever hear from like four of them. Yeah, that's right. So there's like, there's a bunch of young people who are like good actors, but you just don't see anything of them. So like, let me think, even off the top of my head, let's see. uh, We've got... Maverick, Maverick, of course. We've got uh, Miles Teller or Rooster. We've got uh, Jennifer Connelly as Penny, aka Love Interest. Glenn Powell as Hangman, aka Iceman. And no, he's not. He's not cool <laughs> like Iceman. He's aka mini antagonist, but he'll yeah. get a redemption. Then uh, we've got uh, John Hamm, aka Bastard Face, but he's excellent. <laughs> he's correct, and he does get a bit of a redemption actually, and he makes the right call when he orders he does, Rooster at the right. end. For sure. Then we've got um, Lady Pilot. Yeah, Lady Pilot. That's Monica Barbaro as... uh, Phoenix, I'm going to say. Phoenix, she's called. They have to give her like a lady name. And then um, 
uh, Ed Harris as Ed Harris. I, I, yeah, I, exactly, <laughs> playing the role of Ed Harris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just being rear a rear admiral. A dick. He's a rear admiral. Um, am I missing and out on call anybody? His Hammer. Yeah, Bob. Lewis Pullman is Bob. Oh, yeah, That's, Bob, um, of course. Who could forget Bob? Lewis Pullman is uh, son of Bill. Oh, right, okay. I mean, Bill's better looking, although he's, he's a fat old pervert detective in that show these days. What show was that? The Sinner, I think. He, oh, likes, yeah. he likes to get his balls whacked and stuff, but he solves crime. God damn oh, yeah. it. And Char- uh, Charles Parnell's good. He played Warlock. He's the guy who was with John Hamm. He's going to be in the upcom- the two upcoming Mission Impossible sequels. Nice. Very much looking forward to those. And uh, is that everybody? Is that everybody who signed up for this fucker? I mean, there's a million other people, but they're of little consequence. Oh, I did like Bashir Salahuddin, who played uh, Hondo. That was like the guy oh, yeah. who was working with Cruz, and the we see him around quite a lot. He's like Cruz's go-to guy. His his Mav mate. He's a bit paunchy yeah. for the for the the Navy, isn't he? Do you have to be able to run and things? I saw I, I, somewhere on Reddit on one of the kind of Ukraine war subreddits. Mm. I saw a picture of like a high-ranking Russian like general or something, and he was like comically fat, like <laughs> wearing his fatigues, and he was massive. <laughs> I, I think you can be fat if you're a, a fat Russian general, though. I, sorry, you think I said, if you've, like, eaten enough of your subordinates. Yeah, this is They're it. like, all right, this guy can eat us to victory. And this one had a long way to the screen, didn't it? I, so, uh, like I, so I Miles, remember seeing this announced about 15 years ago. My, Miles Teller had already wrapped all of his filming in June 2019. Wow. <laughs> But, but even uh, even before that, they had it in. Pre- I rem- there was at at one point they were getting, they wanted to, they wanted to get it going without uh, the cruise missile. At one point, that's that, that's real. They had a they had this lined up and in production, without the cruise missile because he wouldn't sign on if they weren't really doing. He the wants flying. to use real planes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is fair. I think that's he's proven to have been right there. Well, Definitely, yeah. um, Tony Scott was working on a sequel at the time he died, and that was 2012. Okay, so yeah, a lot of years in the pipeline then. Tony Scott was, of course, killed by the Mayan calendar. <laughs> That's right, yes. Everybody thought it was the end of the world. Turns out it just <laughs> no, was predicting yeah, the end of Tony, of Ridley Scott's brother. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> and then, like, w- once they agreed upon that, of course, um, I, I like, if you look at the screenwriting team on this, there's two boys who came up with the story, and then basically, I have a feeling, Christ- I have a feeling Christopher McQuarrie was shipped in by his best bud Tom Cruise to just polish up everything because he's well, according he's to cruisers go to these days. He's been involved since 2010. McQuarrie, Christopher McQuarrie, yeah. Wow. But that was like I think the screenplay was a very different thing at that point, and Cruise wasn't a huge part of it. But I do like I like I know Macquarie was on set and um, like is a quasi producer on it as well, which might just be like he's generally of a he's a producing partner with Cruz a lot of the time these yeah, days. Yeah, I think he is now. Yeah. Um. Once again, I've I've probably said this agnosium in this podcast, but just to like I've listened to like long interviews with Christopher Macquarie yeah, detailing he's very interesting detailing how they go about the Mission Impossible um, movies and it's. It's nothing short of incredible the way they do them. Like they're the world's largest improvisational shows. 
essentially. They come up with the set pieces, work the stories around them, and just tighten them, tighten them, tighten them until it works. And I think every I think every Macquarie mission movie has been the best one so far. And generally speaking, I think he like he works on on very, very good stuff. Um I've read a couple of his unproduced uh, screenplays. I think he's just a very interesting guy and very good uh, writer and uh, it's great to have him working in Hollywood these days, you know? Dead Reckoning up next. The Mission Impossible films and the Top Gun films are both made by Paramount and I think Mission Impossible is one of Paramount's big earners. Maybe one of their only big franchises now. Um, so I think they, they like the old cruise missile and Christopher McQuarrie basically do what they want at this point. Yeah, and the budget on this was 170 million, and it's already grossed more than 500 million. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a Top Gun three. We know that already, right? Yeah, I'm in it. <laughs> cast me. But I mean, for sure, that's happening. I'd hope so. Yeah, I would be on board, but I just think it's a huge undertaking. Again, they had to do a huge amount of training for this. Uh, I saw Miles Teller in interviews saying that even in training, they were pulling Mach eight or nine. And then when they were going up in the planes, they were hitting at least seven. And all the individual actors had to operate the cameras. They took the cameras up in the back of the planes with them and they were they had to do their own makeup. They had to uh, frame themselves. They had to stop and start the cameras. Jesus Christ. And then Christ. when they got back down on the, back onto the tarmac, the, the, the rest of the film crew, the director, Joseph Kaczynski, and everyone would look at the footage and make some minor changes and then send them back up in the air for the next take. I mean, it's fucking insane. That's and like, insane. Half of the actors were just puking all the time because they were literally doing everything that you see in the film. That, yeah, that, that is fairly nuts. So like doing uh, the amount of training that needs to be done to be a part of this is like... When we were talk, when we've talked about some of the war films in the past, of when they put them through kind of the typical army boot camp or like marine boot camp, the shit that you need to do to be able to even just withstand the g force of of going up in in one of these planes is like it's a huge undertaking. The stress it puts on their bodies. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I'll tell you whose body benefits from stress is is young Miles Teller. Miles Teller has a bad reputation. Does he? And yeah, he's. I think he got like a big oh, COVID anti-vaxxer thing. But that I don't think he was responsible for the Fantastic Four thing. That was just Josh Trank, I think, being a bit of a Josh Tranker. But I think Miles Teller did some COVID did some COVID business that got him a, a negative reputation. Oh. But I'll say this: he has blossomed into a, a, into a man. This yeah. guy's a man. He's not the young boy from Whiplash anymore. Well, he blossomed into a man three years ago. Who knows what sort of uh, <laughs> yeah, belly he's put on these days. That's true. But what do you mean that by a true. COVID thing? Was he just saying, I don't believe in vaccines or something like that? He allegedly refused to get vaccinated and maybe got someone infected or something on set. I'm oh. not sure about that. He definitely refused. He, I, I, or I don't know about definitely. He allegedly refused to get vaccinated. But then his publicist and him came out and said, no, I am vaccinated. I don't know what you're talking about. But I there mean, was at least some concerted effort to like put a black mark up against his rep. Man. For some I, reason, probably I, because of his cool mustache. I'd say it was like just heard in mention and Tom Cruise immediately just flew acro- across the world to give him what for. What was the film? Was that the Mission Impossible where Cruise shouted at everyone? Yeah, with uh, all the... Uh, uh, That's what I sleep with every night! That, that, what was he talking about there? <laughs> uh, the, like, 
uh, the responsibility of keeping the film open so that you know all the families can Thank make God, their money and that stuff. Could have been way worse. Yeah. Anyway, what the fuck happens but, in the film? So we just go through the plot. I mean, I can go yeah. through the plot synopsis. That no, might be no, easier. we can manage. Or should it, we just I'm remember sure. it? Yeah, we can. Well, seeing as we've both watched the original Top Gun recently, both films start exactly the same for about the first three minutes. It's the same scroll. It's the same like yeah, stuff comes right. up on the screen and says like, "There's a a bunch of guys who like flying planes, and it's <laughs> called Top Gun." And the best place to fly them is on Top Gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. And then they do like uh, the... And they show jets taking off from the uh, aircraft carrier. And then, and then, then they it go, switches to Loggins. Because they break down to Kenny Loggins and go full danger zone. Highway to the danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Yeah. And we get a bit of that. And then... That fades out, and then we say we see um, Maverick is like working on his own little plane, and then he gets on his motorbike, and that's a big dis- that's a big difference between uh, the original and the sequel is him on his motorbike in the first film looks absolutely pathetic. You're not even sure. Number one, he looks like he can't ride a motorbike properly. And I say that as someone who has no idea how to ride a motorbike, but it doesn't look good. I didn't notice that, also, but I will take your word for it. Uh, most of the shots, like you don't see him. You see him riding from the back and it's probably not him. I don't think he even rode the motorbike. Maybe someone said something about it to him and he took it massively personally and decided I'm going to... I'm going to ride every motorbike use, from yeah, now on. everything from forever. Sounds he like rides his motorbike over say. to wherever they do the little their secret tests, and then he he jumps into this dark star scramjet. That's right. Even though Ed Harris said he cool. wasn't too. Yeah, Ed Harris turns up and says we're closing down the program because Ed Harris wants all drones. Yeah, yeah, he likes to go really, and bomb yeah, unnamed yeah. country because he doesn't like to uh, risk the lives of American soldiers. But I mean. You know, whatever way he, he wants says to it. He says it'll be better if we can have weapons that we can use that are not manned by humans that have to take a piss. Yeah. He's very insistent on that part. It's the urination that yeah, bothers yeah, yeah. him. He doesn't Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, like uh, That's why one of the reasons why Pearl Harbor was so effective, because the Japanese soldiers were very disciplined and they almost never stopped to take a piss. So they all arrived at exactly the same time. Respect. Yeah. And that's why they won the war. So they do the little dark star. I say little. I don't know why I keep add, adding the adjective little here because it's a pretty big undertaking. But there's only like five guys in the booth that are kind of working together with Maverick. Yeah, yeah. Seems, but he like, won't you risk their have, jobs. seems like you should have more people. That's right. He's very worried about these his uh, compatriots getting shit canned. What happens in that case? Do they just lose their jobs or do they get reassigned? I would imagine they get reassigned, but surely the- you don't just get kicked out of the army if they're like, "We're closing down this one program, so that's it. You're now unemployed." And a dishonorable discharge at that, you cowards! I had some dishonorable discharge once. Oh was, no! Yeah, it was bad. So I really enjoyed that dark star scene. He gets yes, in this jet, cool. and then Ed Harris comes into the control room, and they're like, "Eyes oh, already up in the air," and he has to hit Mach ten. That's right. And then he does, and there's some re- there's some unbelievable footage. I really like the one shot, which is from 
way higher up. It must be CG. It can't be a real thing. Satellite. But, but yeah, yeah, it's a good shot. They show it. They show him like going around in this arc. It, yeah, yeah. And it feels and uh, Hans Zimmer's score at that point. It feels like. Interstellar or something. Even when he's taking off, feels a bit like Superman or something. There's a real superhero energy to it. For probably the it's most so cool CG ish uh, sequence in the film, it's it's really enjoyable. It uh, is, and uh, like you know, it's it's quite fist pumpy when he hits Mac Ten as well. I was into that. Yeah, but then he's Maverick, so he has to push it a bit further. He, he has up to, to come Mac on, Maverick. Ten point something, and then the shit hits the fan, and he blows up this scramjet and he ejects and then there's that funny little almost Spielbergian yeah that is a Spielbergian scene. moment I liked it when he I, goes in he's, he's he's clearly just been in a big explosion he's wearing all his gear and he goes into like the most countrified diner in the world with all these like slack jawed yokels going like what y'all doing around these parts boy <laughs> and then he's like water and then he says to he says to the waitress, "Where am I?" And the kid goes, "Earth." The, then Ed Harris is like, "I would like to fire you and see you die in in you know in a mine or something." But no, they want you to go to Top Gun. So Tom Cruise is delighted with this fact, and he's smiling all the way to Top Gun, having a great time watching planes take off. He's super chuffed, chuffed to buggery. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's he does do a bit of that of like. Riding around near Top Gun on his bike, just watching planes taking off, going like, God, I, I yeah, fucking yeah. love flying planes. He, he loves planes so much. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. planes. That's this, what he could have done. This could have been like a sequel to uh, Crash, but involving planes. Indeed. Cronenberg's yeah. Crash. Mm. Se- ju- just as sexy, twice as sexy, in fact. And then we get introduced to my favorite character in the film, John Hamm. John Hamm's. Who's uh, just excellent. Like, you know, one character would be saying, um, hey, welcome, Maverick. And he'll just be going, uh, I don't like you. I don't like your file. I don't know why I have to take you on. I, I respect Iceman. I respect the hell out of Iceman. But that's about it. It reminds me a lot of his performance in The Town. Mm, long time Remember no that? see. He's no. like the FBI. He's the FBI agent that's chasing around Ben Affleck. And he has that exact tone because he's talking to people going like, you're a bit of a fucking loser. <laughs> you know that? He's also he his call sign is Cyclone. That's pretty cool. That's a cool so a call sign. Yeah. And, and Warlock is a good one as well. I think those are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. And Goose and Rooster. They all know each other. Yeah, they they know each other by call sign, which I think is cool as well because they graduated Top Gun in different years. They've they, they've all got like a super difficult uh, final mission in a video game for the boys to complete. Uh, against the enemy, which was a nice touch. They didn't pick a political enemy this time. There's the enemy. But to be fair, the first one doesn't lean heavily on the fact that they're Soviets. We know that they're flying no, MiGs, but, they don't, but it's they not don't, like... They don't need to, really. Sure, but they, when they're not saying, like, we need to crush these pinko bastards. Yeah, that's true. They're just guys in, in... Pretty similar, guys in black helmets, but they're flying Soviet planes, that's it. Uh, well, it transpires M- Maverick has to teach uh, the best of the best of the best, sir, to, let me see, fly low through a bunch of valleys to avoid getting hit by Tomahawk missiles or even detected by Tomahawk missiles, then super Sam's. fast. Sam's, yeah, there's Sam's. Up a mountain and then a quick turn at the top to dip down into yeah. it and then basically do a Death Star run to hit a tiny yeah, target. Yeah, shoot that, shoot twice. that womp rat. Uh, yeah, they got to shoot it once and then pull up and then that'll then it'll be open they can shoot it a second time 
and then they have to escape basically so that's the name of the game and there's old jets and fighter and like jets that are better than their jets there it's a whole thing fifth generation fighter planes so he says he's going to train all the boys he goes down it's such a simple plan i think that works quite well it's really easy to follow for the audience like there's not much to it but you like you're on board and you know what's it's great funny actually? because I, I would I would think it would almost be too simple, but it's really not. It's like the right level of difficulty. The geography of the plan is drilled yeah. through so many times in the yeah. course of the film that when they're actually doing it, you can follow it really well. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know exactly what where they're supposed to be and what's happening. Anyway, then Maverick goes and hangs out at Penny's bar, who he clearly used to shag and abandon. Um, and we know that later because uh, Penny's daughter says, just don't break her heart again. Just don't Aww. break her heart, man. But anyway, uh, Maverick breaks a rule in the bar, which is have your phone. And he has to buy everyone a drink, which is completely unfair, but whatever. Anyway, his new class come in and amongst them is uh, Rooster. And then yeah, he, almost, he almost has a breakdown uh, outside the bar. Watching I actually Rooster cried during Great that Balls bit, a fire. tiny bit, just a tiny bit, like a single tear. When, uh, because Rooster is the son of Goose. That's right. Nick Bradshaw, who... Maverick is responsible. Is he? It was. Is Maverick really responsible for killing? No, him? I, I. No, he's not really. They just they flew through the the jet wake of another plane, mm. and, and they, then they, they couldn't. They, they spun out. Yeah, yeah, and that was it. Like, and it just fucked up. It's not his fault. Exactly. It's not your fault. But that's. Maverick. But anyway, he, transpires. That's not why Rooster's mad at him. Really, he's mad at him because no, he blocked his he entrance to the his academy. Papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, um, I mean, basically, my papers. in my opinion, Meg Ryan put Tom Cruise in a difficult position there. One thing I'll say about Meg Ryan, I don't know what she was doing in the first film. Like, I don't know what her performance was all about. It was one of those things that in 1986, or whenever I saw it as a kid, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But now seeing it for many years later, I'm like, what's going on there, Meg Ryan? What do you mean? She's being like too hyperactive I don't know. or I something? Think, yeah, I think like it's... I don't know if it's poor acting or if it's a poor characterization, but she does. It feels like she's in a different film to everyone else. It's interesting that she never came back. I mean, they obviously made the choice to kill her off, but still. Yeah, because he, t- she, Meg Ryan told Tom Cruise before she died, "Don't you let Miles Teller into the school with John Hamm." That's correct. She <laughs> used all the names. <laughs> Well, shout out to uh, her son. I'm talking about the actual actress, Meg Ryan, at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, shout out to, to her son, of course. Uh, oh, yeah, coming back in this season of The Boys. In Boys, yeah, The yeah. Boys. I, I'm going to get stuck into that first yeah, three me seasons. Too. What was his name again? Thingy Quaid? Uh, Jack, Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid, that's right. Well, Randy the Quaid is the, the other boys. guy. Yeah, I was going to say Randy Quaid <laughs> is his uncle. But yeah, old Jack Quaid from The Boys, um, season three. Yeah, apparently it opens up outrageously. I'm actually, I'm going to try and get an episode of that in tonight. But, uh, right, so Maverick <laughs> so, is so going to... Maverick's teaching, he's going to teach all this class of the best of the best of the best to to do this mission, but they have to they have to earn the right to do it. But the first hmm. thing that he does is he turns up, a classic teacher move. This is, I've done this oh, many yeah, times. Oh, yeah, 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 very funny. He turns up and he takes the manual. He goes like, you guys all know what's in this, right? You know what, I pay every page and they go... He, they go, yeah, of course, yeah, of course, and then he goes, well, we're throwing that in the bin, throwing it in the bin, and John Hamm is fuming. <laughs> John Hamm's like, what? What the hell are you doing, Why? Maverick? Why You're you a loose that? cannon. So then he said that per- that first sequence is class, isn't it? When he's flying around fucking with him. Yeah, that's them. that is great fun. That's another like they're all in the big high school or college or something, mm. and like he's just 
going up and teaching them what they don't know, testing their limits. And then there's fun game shenanigans where they, if they get killed by crews, if crews gets like a missile lock on them or gun lock, mm. they have to go and do, was it 200 push-ups? 200 push-ups. And guess who and has to do the no push-ups? The, who? Fucking Cruz. Rooster. Oh, Cruz. Yeah, Cruz isn't doing no push-ups. Cruz has no to do, f- oh, yeah, yeah, Rooster Rooster has to do 400. Yeah. But and then there's the classy, stubbornly. that funny scene of the boys taking their selfie and then like five seconds later they're down doing the push-ups as well. Yeah. It's great fun. It is. It's great fun. But, you know, the boys aren't making progress and uh, uh, Maverick is particularly frustrated uh, or with um, with Rooster because Rooster's getting a little bit in his face. But then uh, Iceman texts him and Iceman's like, hey, man. Iceman is, uh, I have to say, maybe it's because he's dying in the film, but um, he's much more like emotionally vulnerable and sage than you'd expect a five-star general to be. Well, yeah, he's. I feel like he's been humanized by the experience of having terminal cancer. I it's, guess it's I it's mean, very funny the way the, the the final shot of Top Gun is on is a picture on loads of people's walls. <laughs> like to, like like Tony Scott was employed as a, a photographer on the boat that day or something. But anyway. Yeah, uh, I think I think a lot of I was just going to say I think a lot of the portrayal of Iceman is just a reflection of the real life Val Kilmer Certainly, story. Yeah. It's so heavily Certainly. interconnected with Val Kilmer's own throat cancer, and it's uh, yeah, it's quite moving. Like he does not look good; he looks really sick. Um, and uh, yeah, it was he a bit of a like bummer. an old man, unfortunately. And then yeah, so the cruiser goes over, accepts some advice, and they have a bit of banter from Iceman, but then Iceman dies shortly after, and uh, John Hamm, in a typical move, <laughs> even though his friend just died... The says, guy who was protecting you is dead now. Yeah, yeah, now you're so, fucking fired, you bitch. Why would, why would we let you fly on the mission? Um, yeah, and he changes the parameters. He says, he says basically, yeah, you're not going to fly as fast so you don't crash into a mountain... And uh, all they're like, but then we'll get detected. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. but really, he's Some like, you have to. It'll be a dogfight. Yeah. Either way, he's ex- he like he's accepting the expendability of the fighters. But then, just at that moment, in one of the more awesome <laughs> scenes in the movie, I have to yeah. say, uh, it's like what? But Maverick's up in the air. What's he going to do? Oh yeah, Maverick's he's running going to, the course. Yeah, he he does the the course exactly. Smashes the target. Says, he does it in like two minutes fifteen. It's supposed to be two thirty originally, yeah. and he just and shows he them it can get off. done. And uh, then th- this is when John Ham. I don't like John Ham after this because he has a bit of a turnaround. And he's like, God damn, Maverick, you're crazy, but you're good. Um, but by God, do I respect you? Yes, by God, do I respect you? And, uh, yeah, he says, okay, you're actually going to lead the team. And uh, he picks his team, and he picks uh, the lady and Bill Pullman's Bob. son. yeah. Uh, and he picks Rooster as his wingman. And some other guy. Some other dudes. And, uh, yeah, Hangman has to hang back. What? Uh, seems like a crazy decision. Um, but anyway. Hangman, who is we haven't really spoken much about, is Glenn Powell, who's just playing like a bit of an arsehole. Who's trying to sort of stir up shit the entire time and just going on about he's his big thing is saying that Rooster is your Rooster's too conservative. Yeah. But they've already sort of the thing they found out about Hangman is that he will just like ditch his wingman 
Which is not good. You can't be doing it's not that. Good. No, Cruz is big on that in the first film. He's like, no, I'm not going to leave my wingman. Uh, yeah, and of course, he'll be Iceman's wingman anytime. That's what they say at the end. Yeah, that's right. You can ride my tail anytime. He doesn't. <laughs> what's that? Because that's from like Quentin Tarantino or something talking about the film about how it's gay. Yes. Yeah. Maybe in like four rooms. I or think something. it's in four, four rooms. rooms. Yeah, I think it's yeah, in four in rooms. His part in his section of four rooms, his, the character he plays is going on about how Top Gun is gay. Yeah. And Top Gun is quite gay, but they don't literally have a line where he says, you can ride my tail anytime. He does say, you can be my wingman anytime. Anytime, yes, indeed. But Which now, slightly less But gay. then everybody just started remembering it differently <laughs> yeah. after watching Four uh, Rooms. You can pound me out anytime. <laughs> yeah, you can, no, you can kiss you can me on the mouth and, and touch my <laughs> chest You can take me to dinner anytime. <laughs> hey, um, so they, they go on the mission fly off uh, towards the mountains and it's immediate. Wait a minute. There's one thing that we've missed out, which is, and this is, it, it plays an important role in the fact that we saw this film together, mm. but there was a, the one scene which kind of mirrored the beach volleyball. They have like a beach oh, football, yes. as in like America, American football scene. Yeah, John Hamm Where they're like all that. topless. John Hamm's not having fun watching. He's like, you, you're supposed, there's still a week left until the mission. What are you doing? Yeah, to be fair, I'm but with John all, Hamm on that. They're all topless playing American football. Now, during this scene, I noticed while we were sitting next to each other, you sort of readjusted your crotchal zone. Was that in connection to the images that you were seeing on screen? Or was that general discomfort? It was a general discomfort. I was getting Mm. excited briefly, but then uh, I noted in a rather sexist manner, Phoenix was not allowed to take her top off. Yeah, that what's that all about? She they made her do it in her bra. Yeah, yeah, that seems ridiculous. very restrictive. Yeah, yeah. that's awful. And yeah. they let um they, they or let's not. I'm not going to say let. I'm going to say forced. They forced Hondo to keep his t-shirt on. <laughs> yeah, and that's Bob, right. They said, Hondo you need to wear and, and his Bob, shirt. Bob is a little bit wiry, <laughs> a bit stringy. And to be fair, that made me like that made me feel like an alienated audience member because I I have to wear a shirt to the beach, Andy. I don't know that you know yeah. this. Yeah, um, I wear three shirts. Do you? <laughs> I wear layers. Tell you <laughs> to, to, to try you. and sculpt muscle out of material. So, like, yeah, maybe I like. Like, in a way, I was seen by the film Top Gun Maverick, you know, for wearing shirt <laughs> tops at the beach, but I was seen by the two marginalized characters, and that made me feel marginalized. I don't know. I, I think you're going to order the, the Hondo uh, action figure. I might order I the assume. Hondo I might get the uh, I might get the Phoenix. Yes, indeed. See if I can get its top off. Uh, but, yeah, speaking of uh, lady characters, we also didn't mention the love subplot, where he, uh, he first of all... I, I didn't mention oh, yeah. this to you afterwards, but immediately, like second time meeting up with Penny again, they go off sailing on what looks like very dangerous seas, neither of them in a life jacket. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, but he, they're cool. They're cool as all hell. She knows how to sail. He's in the Navy, but doesn't know how to sail. But by God, he can follow orders. Yeah. And if right. she says, tie up that jib, and he goes like, I don't know what any of those words mean, but I'll do it. But I'll do it for my country, God damn it. Yeah, exactly. And then they thankfully have not a sex scene, which I was grateful for. Not a sex scene, which is four shots of like them kind of lying down together. Do they even have a smooch? Mm, Almost. I think they might accidentally brush their faces against each other. And then the final shot is like 
they're seemingly naked or he is, but they're like the covers are pulled up like almost to their chins. So there's no chance of seeing anything that you might not want to see. Which, yeah, I get it because immediately when it started, I was like, oh no, there's no sexual currency for Tom Cruise whatsoever. Yeah, I'm very happy that they didn't try to sell him as a sex symbol. I think it's or just even that as a n- sexual being at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. He's got plastic down there, like a Ken doll, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. I, I, I think that's a like. I think that's a good move. I think they were comfortable enough to say, like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna make you picture the sex between these two people. What, what goes on? Sure, they might get up to something, but at fifty and fifty-nine years old, we're just gonna say. Well, we know what, I mean, because the thing is, like, you can maybe picture Cruz getting up to something, but we all know what uh, (laughs) Connolly's into, and... That's correct. (laughs) We're just, she's waiting for Keith David to call (laughs) and and give her some orders. Oh, my God. I'll never watch that film again. Um, That's also in the same universe as Top Gun, Requiem for a Dream. Yes, it is. This is what, what Penny did, did <laughs> yeah, after yes. to, after Maverick yeah. rejected her for the after third she, time. After she washed out. Yeah, yeah. She got into heroin and ass-to-assing. <laughs> but she's recovered uh, extremely well. Well done to... to yeah, yeah. Connelly. Open a bar. She does look great. A bar, where they, a bar where they routinely bully people out of their money, but hey. I do want to say, Jennifer Connolly, I think she's 50. She's 51. 51. Oh, come on now. She's doing great. She well is. done her. Well done you, Jennifer J. Con. Yeah, better than Good Kelly McGill, huh? Certainly. Yeah, yeah. It, it ain't the years, it's the mileage. So they fly a bunch of miles, there's a segue. And um, yeah, they're doing the mission. They haven't been shot at yet or anything. They're, they, they aren't shot at in the beginning. And then they swoop up and they... Oh, first of all, Rooster's not going fast enough, but then Tom Cruise tells him to use the force. Yeah, he does. He, he, he proper tells him to use the force. Is that whole the whole bombing run and everything about their interaction is Star Wars? Oh, I'm sure they're fully aware of that. Like, to, yeah, like, it's, and now yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. "Hey, it works." Well, we'll just to borrow from here because we know it works. Uh, and that and that scene is particular, particularly spectacular, as we've said already, because we know what the bombing run is. We know what's going to be happening. Yeah, they. It's in a very snowy country, and they yeah they swoop over the mountains and get out of there. And there's class dogfighting after that. I thought that sequence was fucking spectacular, to be honest. Yeah, so much better than the first film. Um, and the, it's chaos, but you understand what's going on. It's like, yeah. break, hard ride, fire the chaff things, and they, and they then put eventually their decoys out to blow up the missiles. It's so it, cool. That's basically why I went to watch the film for a second time, was all that stuff. Yeah, and I, I would go a second time as well, to be yeah. honest. And the, the so and then the cruiser does the um, jet fighter version of taking a bullet for rooster. Yeah. And for a second, I was genuinely thinking. Maybe I was stupid to think this, but I was genuinely thinking they're going to kill Maverick in this film, just because it. There's a version of the screenplay that that makes sense, I suppose. But no, of course they weren't, and of course they didn't, and thank God. I mean, as we discussed. We discussed, we talked about this. There's a, a high chance that Cruz might die in the second of the two Mission Impossible sequels mm. coming out. But I guess they decided, uh, oh, Maverick, that you don't need to kill him off. There's a lot in the first film about his dad. They never touch on that at all in the sequel. There's a, a, a good part yeah, of his right. motivation is that he doesn't really know what happened to his dad. His dad is allegedly a fuck up. But in reality, he was in the Korean War or no, it was in uh, Nam or something. And he like saved a bunch of guys, including Tom Skerritt's Viper. 
Mm. Yeah, they but that's just ditched. They're like, hey, that was a long time ago. We don't want you to think of old things like Kelly McGillis. Exactly. <laughs> old things. Anyway, John Hamm makes the right call. He says, back to base, we're not going to lose anybody else. Yeah. Um, which is definitely the right, right call. But Rooster has taken a leaf out of the, uh, the Maverick playbook. Anyway, we, we, we flash back. Maverick's down in the snow just waking up. What the fuck am I going to do now? Probably go into a diner and ask someone for a glass of water. That's my move. That's in his, his classic move. <laughs> He's show, there's this big helicopter gunship pulls in and Maverick's showing up at them like, have you got any water? <laughs> that, uh, the helicopter gunship yeah, from cool, uh, Rambo part. 2 appears. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's taken without pot shots. maybe poss- possibly Stephen Burkov is in there mm. as a Russian general, a Soviet general firing at Maverick, and then uh, Rooster has come back and shot him down, and he shoots him down. But then Rooster gets shot down. Oh no! Maverick runs through the woods to get to Rooster, and then pushes him because he's like, "Ah, oh, why the hell did you do that?" And he says, "Cause, cause you told me not to think." At this point, it's odd. Miles Teller turns into a comic character for the rest of the movie. I think they wanted to just have fun from yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think they wanted to reassure the audience, like, "Yeah, Banter. we're not. We're, this is not. They're not going to get taken hostage or like prisoner of war and tortured for the next ten years." Yeah, like they're not going to. <clears throat> they're not going to have like body parts removed piece by piece. It's going to be okay. It's going to be a Mission Impossible movie. It it kind of turns into a Mission Impossible movie with elements it's, with like It's really quick. They wrap that all up very quickly. They don't fuck about. Yeah. Which just I think say, is fair play. We're going to go steal a plane and get out of yeah, here. And which, they do it. Which they promptly do. They get into yeah. one of the planes that uh, a cruiser flew, flew in the first mission. And 14. That's yeah. right. And then they're they're up in the air and out. The landing gear gets chopped off. Before they know it, though, there's like two planes on their tail. They're making signals to them, but the boys know what's up. They know that these are bad boys. So they immediately- well, we know they're, they, they, they have Zeds painted on the side of the planes. Yeah, these are proper commie, commie Nazis, I'd say, these boys. <laughs> commie Nazis again, yeah. Uh, They've got black helmets. Are we the baddies? Come on now. <laughs> Compared to, like, the, the guys from the U.S. have got, like, fun names and, like, colorful helmets. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you ever wonder why like we're enriching <laughs> uranium in the, in the, in the mountain? <laughs> it's just to generate power for the valley. I it's don't know clean, what you're talking about. It's the cleanest about. source of yeah, power. What are you talking about? Yeah, source of energy. And the fucking, the, 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 the uh, great Satan wants to drop a bomb on our, on our uh, power plant. It's not very good. No, it's not good at all. Uh, but then, anyway, they, they run out of ammo. The boys, uh, they shoot down one of them, but there's another boy on their ass. It looks like, oh, no, we're fucked. And Bagman's in for the kill. Smashes it. It's awesome. Uh, and he's like, please, r- ladies and gentlemen, thank you for flying with cunt airlines. Yeah. Smarmy cunt airlines. This is it. And then uh, they say, uh, God, like, you're good. And he goes, yes, I am. I'm Bagman. <laughs> it's awesome. It's it, like, it's pretty fun. He, they land on the plane. He hugs Rooster. John Hamm gives him a little bit of a wave. He's like, Maverick, you're all right. I'm the new yeah, Iceman. Right, What's happening? Yeah, we um, should hang out sometime. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so much fun. Really enjoyed it. At the end of it. He ends uh, up with, oh, he, he, at the at the end, Cruz is flying his own plane, the uh, P fifty one Mustang. Is that his? Him, actually, he, yeah, he takes Jennifer Connelly up for. Uh, I'm sure it is. up it's for Tom a little Cruise, flight. Yeah. It's it's his it's his plane. 
I watched uh, again, like on my YouTube quest. One of the things was um, crews flying, taking James Corden up for a flight, and unfortunately, not like <laughs> smashing into a mountain. <laughs> like, what did they? What the did he fly him around in? Uh, I think again, his own film, uh, his own plane. Maybe that P fifty one from the end of the film. So. It's pretty impressive. Like Cruz has, I don't know how many hours, how many like flight hours, but a ton. And he's clearly he can fly planes, he can fly helicopters, he can ride motorbikes. This guy can pilot everything. I wonder if he could like do like a submarine or something. I mean, he's got the Irish in him, I suppose. Famously, an Irish man invented the submarine. Did he now? Yeah, John Philip Holland. He, John he, Submarine. No, John Philip Holland. He invented Stephen the submarine. O submarine. They have a song about it with a very un-inventive chorus that goes, John Philip Holland invented, invented the, the submarine. submarine. That's it. That's how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> you know it. assuming. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, I know it so well. I sing yeah. it all the time. Exactly. Uh, well, this was awesome. I don't know what we're going to watch next for the new stuff, but... Uh, well, we could watch everything, ev- uh, everything, everywhere, all the time, all at once, or whatever it's called. We could yeah. also uh, thing that's come out now is I guess available now is that film, the Nicolas Cage one that I tried to watch multiple times and failed. Mm. Uh, whatever it's called, the unbearable, the unbearable weight, weight of, of massive talent, talent. massive talent. Why does everything have confusing titles? Can we just can <laughs> everything be called Top Gun Maverick? Dog does it have two. to be Yeah, yeah. Yeah, does it have to be so many Oh, there is words? a film called Dog that's out with Channing Tatum where he has a dog. Yeah, I don't know about that. It was it was <laughs> mentioned in that awful article that you sent me. Oh, I would like to give this article a mention just so that if there's anybody who works for the Guardian on here, they'll just take it as an instruction. <laughs> Bradshaw, are you listening? To to kill themselves cuz <laughs> what a I like it did, like I I I was able to enjoy it and laugh at it, but then I just just I got another, and I try so hard not to care about anything culture wars. But this article just once again just had it rushing at uh, at me. What an insane world we live in! That it it's se- not only did it seem like, but financially maybe was the, this was a good idea to write this article. By the way, see, I, I like when you're saying that there was a Guardian article that like infuriated you that I sent you. I'm going through my mental Rolodex of going, which of the awful Guardian <laughs> articles could it be? Because literally any time I send you a Guardian article, it's like, look at this fucking shit. The right-wing people who are saying, because Top Gun Maverick is a big success, <laughs> uh, it means that people are patriotic. Uh, why don't you just take a look at some of these examples and maybe, you know, redo your <laughs> facts? And it's like... What what is this? Are you guys writing messages to each other on tables? This is insane. But anyway, I wonder if Top Gun Maverick is doing better in the face of the Russia Ukraine conflict. Like, if there's an element now where, after something like that happens, where the weapons industry is is gearing up again, and people are kind of a bit more on board of going like, hey, maybe it's not so bad that we have big weapons to shoot people and drop bombs and stuff. Or maybe like maybe it's it's being a big it's a big hit in Russia, but they cut it off and the cruiser dies exactly where I thought he did. The commie Nazis win. I assume you can't see this in Russia, right? They clearly can't have released it there. I'm gonna check that right now. There's no way they've released it in Russia. They don't. They're not releasing anything in Russia. Are they not in the U.S.? No, they can't be. Right? 
Oh yeah, it, like they're not they're even accepting sanctions. the question on my um yeah on my internet. Your your internet's now going to self destruct. Oh wait, no, it's taken me to a side of um Vladimir Putin movie recommends. Ooh, what's he into? We should give a shout out to the Hans Zimmer score. I mentioned it a little bit, but mm. I really like it. Yeah, it is. It's very it, good. It has elements of Interstellar and then a few other things. It's remixing the Harold Faltermeyer original Top Gun work. And then I w- <clears throat> the one thing I wasn't a fan of, obviously, I'm going to say obviously, I'm going to couch this in obviously, but Lady Gaga's vocal track at the end. Yes, I agree with you. I was not a fan of that one. However, Lady Gaga has to exist and be places, I suppose. And... Uh, in recent days, she was uh, at the end of this movie, and that's all I have to say about that. I saw she got some criticism in some places because of being involved in something which could be argued is slightly jingoistic. Yeah. And it was against her ethics. Well, you know, she sings all about her ethics in her songs. Um, you're right poker face is definitely it is a dense moral uh, uh, moral tale morality play love not war yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you make a you make a good point silly old lady gaga right uh we can wind this up i suppose i will if it's not one of those it'll be another one and of course next week we're talking about uh 1492 Some Conquest shite. of Paradise and A Gear of the Wrath of God. Doesn't that sound like a fun time to use some of your I, summer? I keep, wa- <laughs> I keep wanting to call it Wrath of Can as well every time. A Geary Wrath of Can. Oh, Lord above. I'm going to have to get up abysmally early in the morning to watch these because I will not win a row for the TV. Jared Depardieu is like in The Simpsons when... Troy McClure is in the film with the Muppets and then one of the kids, like Bart or Lisa's like, why is that one Muppet made of leather? And it's Troy McClure. And that's what Jared Depardieu looks like to me. Have you watched 1492 yet? No, but I'm just saying (laughs) that's what Jared Depardieu, (laughs) I was a firm no. That's what Jared Depardieu always looks like to me. A big French leather Muppet. (laughs) Have you ever seen the Abel Ferreira film where he plays like a version of the head of the IMF? No, you've talked about it before. He's oh, playing like um, so Strauss Can or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just something utterly Strauss disgusting. Can. Anyway, fuck it. We'll say good night, yeah. folks, or good day whenever you're listening yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love you all, and you too, Andy. I love you too. I love you all too. Bye. Bye. have been great pull me close wrap me in your aching arms